Welcome to The Code, your guide to health and human performance. I'm your host, Dr. Andrew Fix from Physio Room, a performance-based rehab facility here in Denver. On this podcast, we're going to explore the key areas of your life that impact your overall health and wellness, from sleep hygiene and stress management to nutrition, movement, relationships, and more. We bring you conversations with industry experts and top performers to share strategies they have for cracking the code on health and human performance. Now let's get to today's show. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to The Code. Dr. Andrew Fix here with Physio Room, and I am being joined today by Jake Thompson. Uh, Jake is a keynote speaker, and that's actually how we got connected with him. He was the speaker presenting at a conference that we went to for Physio Room. He's the Chief Encouragement Officer at Compete Every Day. That's the brand he started back in 2011 when uh, he was just selling t-shirts out of the trunk of his car. But now he works with organizations all over the world as a fractional performance coach, helping teach them and develop how they can use their focus, their habits, and the culture to elevate themselves and their teams to find success in their life and in their business. So, Jake, thanks so much for joining me. I really appreciate your time on the show today. Yeah, you bet. Looking forward to today's conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and you guys, one of the the things that I've been doing in advance of this episode, Jake is uh, an author of a book called Compete Every Day, the same as the brand. And he too has a a podcast that has quite a lot more episodes than ours does. Maybe we'll catch up to him one day, but I am really like jiving with and appreciating a lot of the, like the information that Jake's sharing is not necessarily like groundbreaking stuff. However, it's very actionable and things that you can do to like set yourself up for success. And I think a lot of times that's the hardest thing for people. Uh, Jake, is that kind of what you found? Like, can you sort of walk us through maybe doing a more thorough introduction of of yourself? I think we have this athlete thing in common. And then how did you come to start this brand and this business, Compete Every Day, uh, a little over 10 years ago? Yeah. So it, it's funny because when people come in contact with the brand or they see me speak at an event, and a lot of times people come up afterwards and like, I want to do that. And mm-hmm. I'm like, awesome. Like, what are you doing right now to get started? Well, nothing. I want to be at that spot. And I'm like, yeah. well, that took 11 years to get to this moment. And it took multiple years before that of building skills and things like that. And so we, we as just naturally humans have a tendency to look at the snapshot of someone else and compare it to our current place and location, even though this person's been doing a different journey for a long time. So my flashback, like you said, I started May of 11. I was working as a consultant because I'd spent a few years just kind of there, couldn't get a job, to be honest with you. Uh, I chased the idea of being Jerry Maguire, worked in the sports world for a few years, realized that's not what I wanted to do. And when I got out, it was 2008. And those listening that are old enough to remember that recession, uh, I couldn't get a job. I had an MBA in sports business. I had non-traditional corporate America work experience. And so I just had to start freelancing. Did it yeah. for a few years, built a pretty good little business, but was very unfulfilled. And the <laughs> idea of competing every day and, and really teaching people or at the time, just getting the message out that the only way to reach your full potential is to compete every day, compete with yourself. And if you settle, if you If you just take what life gives you, you're going to end up with an average life and a bag full of regret at the end. And I said, there's a better way to live. And the way is showing up every day, looking for growth opportunities, pushing yourself, getting better, failing, succeeding, but understanding when you get to the end, the the thing you don't want is regret. You want to say, I took action after the things I wanted in life, the people I cared about. So I had that idea, started selling shirts out of the trunk of my car, uh, really with the goal of building a global apparel brand. And that was really the focus, chasing anything and everything, trying to be like other apparel brands at the time, because I didn't know anything about it. I didn't know anything about the print game, the e-commerce, mark, any of that. So I did it for a number of years. And and fortunately, we had some just amazing customers that believed in the message and bought in and shared the word. And and as we figured things out, they had patience with me and our team for it. And then in 2014, uh, an opportunity came along to go speak. And I'd been talking at schools and entrepreneurship clubs just about building a business. But this specific one was for Texas Children's Hospital in Houston. 
Cool. And they were having an HR event that week. And they bought 150 shirts, which at the time was like our biggest retail order. We had yep. a few wholesalers, but at retail it was one of our biggest orders, if not the. And they asked, so like, would you come talk? And I'm like, about what? And like, just come tell your story. So I show up, I laugh now, I show up with a backwards baseball cap, t-shirt, tennis shoes, casual as can be in this like compete everyday gear. And I spend about 45 minutes kind of fumbling through my story. Here's why I started it. Here's what I learned. Here's what I believe. Here's some lessons we can take away. And afterwards, the VP pulled me aside. And she's the reason they brought me in because her son had followed and fell in love with the brand and their family fell in love with the brand. And she said, I think you need to go do more of this because there's something here I don't think you've realized yet. And so I filed it away. And about a year-ish later, I was at a conference and saw a guy that teaches speakers and teaches them how to master the craft. And I was fascinated watching him work. And it was like, it was like a really, really good coach and seeing them in action. It's clicking with you while they're teaching and you're like, they can teach really well. So I went to this guy's conference, ended up signing up for their, their program and decided like it was a big investment. But I said, if I'm going to look at this, if there's a better way than just printing a message on a shirt to teach people the importance of it and actually the application of it, I want to figure that out. Yeah. So I did. So 16 and uh, 15, 16, 17, I was training, learning the speaking game between them and another group and just kind of jumped in, started doing it. And so that was kind of early reps, doing it for free, speaking everywhere, testing stories, trying, writing, and just kind of ran with it and got really fortunate with some different opportunities that I was able to take advantage of because of the preparation that everything started to take off in 2019. And 2020 hit, and it was the worst year to be a speaker among other <laughs> professions. And, yeah. But I was very fortunate that we just converted a lot to virtual. And so we kept the momentum going. And then this year has really been the explosion year for us for 22, because it's gone from steady and strong growth to just doubling and tripling. Mm -hmm. And so it's been a really cool <laughs> thing to see. But it it all goes back to small steps after small steps after small steps after small steps and the the work that each and every one of us do that nobody sees us do and that's the most important thing right now we're filming this it's november 22nd it's about to yeah. be thanksgiving january is around the corner yeah. everybody's going to get into their new year's resolutions they're going to set these massive resolutions and science shows 84 percent of people fizzle out within three weeks of the new year Mm -hmm. They've bit off too much. They're too vague. They've done all these things trying to change everything all at once versus just saying, what's one thing today that I could do to change? What's one choice I could make differently and how to build on it? And we get too impatient that we're in a rush to get there that we don't focus on how do we capitalize here. Mm -hmm. And so that's always what I go back to with the story is I've had some lucky breaks. But the way I look at luck is really preparation meets opportunity and how yeah. many of us are not doing the little <laughs> preparation every day to get better that we can't capitalize on opportunities. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's so true. It's not a coincidence, right? That it seems like the people that always seem to have the best luck are usually putting themselves in the right situations time after time after time. And eventually that ends up paying off for them, right? Like they're manufacturing that, that possibility to happen because they're doing the little things over and over and over that lead to, oh man, they are so lucky. They got that big opportunity. It's like, yeah, but you didn't see all the stuff that they've been doing for the last months and years. And, you know, all the uh, times that they put themselves outside of their comfort zone. And now they got that lucky break. So it's funny you say that I was talking with my wife yesterday. So I had a, I have an opportunity to speak next year for a client event. And when the client reached out I was like, man, this name sounds familiar. Well, it turns out this specific person had like, we had connected 2011, 12, when I started compete, mm -hmm. she used to CrossFit in Dallas with a girl I went to high school with. So she learned about compete every day. She bought some shirts, wristband. Well, she's wearing a wristband at her job one day, eight, nine years ago, okay. maybe seven years ago. And one of the guys she works with is like, what is that? And she's like, oh, compete every day. Check out the brand. The guy checks it out, loves it, orders some stuff. He then reaches out three years later when I'm speaking, starting just starting getting going speaking, 
and hires me to come speak at his manufacturing plant to his leadership teams was one of the first, we'll say 10 ish, 15 paid clients that I ever had. Mm -hmm. She has since left this individual, gotten a different job, grown in her careers at a very high C-suite level and is reaching out now to hire me to speak at at an event all because she called the guy she used to work with, said, hey, I know Jake spoke to you years ago. Tell me about that. I remember his brand from back in the day. But like those are the little dots that like you don't see. Or like we talked about before the show, 90% of podcasts don't make it past episode three. Of that 10% that do, 90% more don't make it to 20. Life is about consistently just showing up. Yeah. And the more you do it, the more as you're, starting out on the podcast journey and publishing episodes and going, the more that's out there for people to find, the more that's out there for people to find more of those quote, lucky opportunities you find yourself in. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And I am like, like you said, this woman found you like the brand, the guy found you, like saw the brand, liked it, ordered some stuff. I'm right there, right there with you. I love the brand from the minute I saw it. If for no other reason, because of the, the name of it, because like you, I grew up as an athlete. I'm still an athlete. I am extremely competitive, but there's nobody that I'm more competitive with than myself. Right. And I talk to my wife about this all the time because I'm super type A. She's a little bit more relaxed. She kind of calms me down and I kind of bring her up a little bit and we balance each other out nicely. But nothing makes me more frustrated than when like I mess something up. Or I yep. make a mistake and I get really hard on myself. And she's like, it's not that big of a deal, you know, whatever this thing is. And I'm like, but it is a big deal because it was, it was me, right? It was yep. my fault that was in your control. Was, yeah, right. Exactly. It was something that I had control over. It wasn't anyone else's fault. Like, I don't get mad at other people if they make mistakes. I get mad at myself for making this mistake that I could have maybe controlled. But yeah, that was something that I jived with right away because, you know, I think competition doesn't always have to be viewed as like this me versus you type of thing. It's like competition can be something that like rises everybody up. And especially if you have this mindset of like you're competing within yourself with other people for the, you know, whatever the greater good of the business is or the team or the whatever. And yeah, you might also be competing against another team, but that doesn't mean you you don't want them to do well, or you don't want like them to ultimately have success. You just want to beat them in this one moment, this one game or whatever. Yeah. And and along those lines, you know, great competitors want great challengers. Mm -hmm. They want great Mm -hmm. competitors to go against. They, because what we understand is when you're forced to go against somebody or compete alongside with somebody that has a high standard of excellence, it forces you to continually raise your game if you want to win. Yeah. And to work and to improve. And a lot of people going through life are avoiding those relationships and dynamics. They want the easy path. Mm -hmm. And what they're doing is settling for a lot of things. Like, let's take your practice, for example. Like, having other groups in the space that do similar work forces you to say, how can we constantly improve customer service? How can we constantly improve patient care? How can we constantly improve how we show up? It puts you in a position of growth. That's from a vast big picture standpoint. That's why I love true capitalism and, and being an entrepreneur is because it it forces you to constantly look for ways to improve not only the work, but yourself. And we know that as entrepreneurship is like one of the biggest personal development journeys you can ever go on because mm-hmm. you have to develop yourself to develop the end product. And so like, it's good for that. It's great, but you've got to have the right lens. Yeah, You've got to have the lens that I'm only in competition with myself. And I want to look to these other groups that are doing really well, that are challenging me to raise my game and, and say, what can I learn? So I look at that as speakers. I've got a handful of tons of friends that are speakers now. It's built relationships. They are amazing. And I could just as easily get caught in that negative loop of just comparing myself to them, trying to be like them, beating myself up for not being this or not being Mm -hmm. that. When in reality, I'm like, how am I getting better? And oh, I loved how you did this. Or I really appreciate how you did this. Teach me. Like I can learn from them in a whole new light versus the comparison game that most of us just get caught living living in constantly. I'm totally with you. And I'm going to ask you a follow-up question on that because for the last maybe two and a half years now, 
um, for for our practice here at Physio Room, I've been part of a business networking group, and I get to to meet every single week, right, with a bunch of other small business owners and entrepreneurs. And I think now, a couple of years in, a lot of us have that have been in that group for a while. We have a really good relationship with each other. Each other, we use each other as like a sounding board to talk about each other's businesses and challenges we might be having in ours. Hey, how would you handle this type of thing? But I think a lot of times, whether it's within the same business, right? Take, you know, maybe we'll just take our practice, for example, hypothetically, you know, people on our team may compare themselves to other people on the team. Like, oh, you know, so-and-so schedule is busier than mine. Or, yep. you know, or maybe you're comparing yourself to another business, right? Oh, my, my friends that work at this other place, like they seem like they're doing so much better than me. And or you compare yourself to other business owners if you're a business owner or to other friends and athletes. So what do you do or how do you try to steer the coaching with somebody when you're working with a client or you're working with a person and like that's the headspace that they're stuck in is comparing themselves to what other people are doing when you know what they need to focus on is what they can control and focus on themselves. Maybe use that as motivation, but like you can't just compare yourself to them. How do you how do you go about helping helping coach and steer that person? Yeah, so it's a couple of things. One, it's a matter of of shifting that focus back to yourself and what are you doing on the daily to improve your position? So like mm -hmm. understanding, oh man, I wish I was as successful as that practice. Okay, cool. One, the first question I'm going to ask is what are they doing that you wish you did better? Because then I want to take it off of them and look at it action steps. What are they do they market really well? Do they have a really cool brand? Is their presence online good? Do they have you know like what are they doing that has you jealous and envious? Okay, cool. Yeah. Once we identify that, then the question becomes simple. Well, what have you done to do that same thing? If you're if someone's jealous that you have a podcast and oh they have a podcast and all these people and da, da, da. well cool, what have you done to do a, to launch your own podcast or to tell that story? Well, I haven't Cool. Perfect place to start. So why are you comparing something you don't even do to someone else? Yeah. So that kind of helps. Then we can reshift of <laughs> focusing on what's in our control. We talk about it in the book, attitude, actions, effort, and focus are 100% in your control every day. And there's always moments where things start to slip, but how quickly can you redirect those back to productive focus points, productive effort, productive, productive actions. Mm -hmm. And so when I'm talking to folks, it really goes back to like, why, why you're so drawn to that individual? Is it someone that you want to be like? Like you want to be in the position they're in? Yeah. Fantastic. Figure out what they've done well. Figure out part of their journey. For a lot of folks, like once you start, I'll say this, for instance, like publishing the book, once you start realizing certain authors and their background, so their stories and their networks and the things they did before they ever published a book, you would think, why in the world would I compare myself to that on a book sale? or that they got this interview. They were on mainstream national nightly news. They were like, you start looking at, well, I haven't done that. Like, why am I comparing what I've done to that person? Mm -hmm. And then it doesn't make sense at all. But you ask, what have they done really well? And then you start looking for very specific action things that they're doing. Because once we get out of the, oh, they're just in a better spot than we are, they're at step 100 and I'm at step one, and we start saying, well, what are they actually doing well? Then it gives us focal points on skills to improve, areas to focus in on, things that we can start working toward mm -hmm. versus just looking at the individual. But I think that's what most of us do all the time is we live in this state of comparison with someone's chapter 20 compared yeah. to our chapter one. Right. But when you dig into that a little bit, it's really they want, we either want the success quickly because we assume that they got it quickly, even though most, if not all, didn't. And we don't understand that. Or the other part is like they do something really well that we haven't even started trying to do yet. Mm -hmm. And that's a challenge. So then it becomes how do we start taking action on that? And so those are kind of where I start the conversations. But usually, like with any coaching, it's it's a lot of questions and it's a lot mm -hmm. of pulling at strings and ribbon or strings and, and yarn and getting to kind of what the meat is, because the real yeah. reason isn't that real reason is, Oh, I want to be that person because I quote, see them as successful. But what does successful look like to you? Does it being that person? Or are you trying to build a certain income? Are you trying to hit and change this many lives? Like what, once we define that, then we can start focusing in. 
And once we get into that routine, well, then when you catch yourself starting to compare to someone else, you can say, okay, why am I feeling this way around them? Mm-hmm. And what are they doing really well that has me drawn that way and that I can really start learning from? Yeah. Yeah. I, and I think that's a great way to go about it. And I think, you know, that's kind of the approach that um, that I even try to take with clients or that I try to take with team members is, like you said, ask a lot of questions, right? Yep. So say a client comes into our office and they want whatever their goals are, right? Whatever, you know, they have knee pain, they want to run a marathon. Why? Why? You know, like, what is the motivation for running this marathon? Yep. Do you even like running, right? Or or do you think you just need to run because you want to lose 40 pounds because your daughter's wedding's coming up in a year and you think you need to look better for the wedding, so you think you need to run to lose weight? Your knee hurts, now you're now you're sitting in our office. Well, do you even like to run, right? Like, or is your goal, hey, I have this event, this wedding, I want to lose weight, my knee pain is preventing me from exercising, that's preventing me from losing weight great. Let's help you lose weight. You don't have to run to do that. Right. So like asking those questions to get down to the real, you know, the real feeling or the real motivation or, or whatever. Um, and one thing that we like to say is you can never blame people for how they feel, right. It's a feeling like it's not right or wrong. It just is, but like, okay, well, let's use that to like, get down to some, the meat of like, what's driving that. And then that's some stuff that we can start to affect and to change. And um, just like you, for our core values at Physio Room, we have this concept of control the controllables. And we often use the terms um, attitude, effort, and enthusiasm. But same thing, actions, enthusiasm, yep. like the same, the concept is the same. But um, you go into your book or you go into this, this idea of focusing on like the leading indicators, right? Like focus on the things that you can control, that you can track, as opposed to focusing on like what you want the end result to be, right? Like don't focus on the number of pounds that you have lost and what the scale says. Focus on what are you doing today to help you achieve that? You can't control directly what the scale says. You can control what you eat, how you sleep, how you manage your stress, how you exercise, all that stuff. That's what you can control. So track those things, right? And I would imagine that's probably a lot of what you go into too as you start trying to change these actions is it's, you know, track the things that you can control. It's all process. Like I Mm -hmm. I am, everybody loves the outcomes. Everybody loves the wins, the goals, the pounds lost, the bonus checks. We love the outcomes. Mm -hmm. True winners in life love the process. They love the work. Like, yeah, it's great to have a six pack or the clothes that fit, but do you just love the attention you get for the clothes, the way they fit? Or do you love going into the gym and actually lifting weights Mm -hmm. and getting stronger and pushing yourself and feeling that not only that endorphin release, but just the, the progress and seeing that progress of little two and a half pound increment growth. Yeah. Do you love that? Do you love making the sales calls and getting to know clients and finding solutions? Or do you just love the bonus checks? And what you see in life is the people that are more consistent are the ones that have learned to fall in love with the work and the process. Because the process is the only thing you control. You don't control in sales. You don't control when the other person is ready to buy. You control, are you showing up consistently? Are you doing the work to outreach? Are you testing and retesting and adjusting your sales pitch? Are you spending time every day prospecting and bookending your days with sales calls? Like, are you doing the work or are you just focused on the outcome? And that's anything in life. And we really get caught up in it. Probably a lot of us were raised that way. You know, sports and youth psychology talks about this in in terms of kids. They learn to associate parental love with what they're praised for. Mm. So in youth sports, if a kid is praised for hits, games won, points scored, they really begin to associate parental love with that outcome. Yeah. And if they don't win, if they don't get a hit, they partly start to believe mom and dad don't love them as much anymore. Mm -hmm. On the flip side, 
if they're praised for effort, what a great teammate they are, how consistent, how hard they practice as much as they play, how they respond to a coach when they get pulled out of the game. If they're praised for those things, those behaviors that are in their control, then they start to associate and believe in the importance of always doing your best, being a good teammate, being a good person with mom and dad's like love and support. And so over time, as these kids grow up, it's the same thing we see in corporate America. A lot of companies just praise the outcome and they wonder why their top people that they're praising outcome are so inconsistent is because they have a good month, they have a bad month, good month, bad month. So they praise them one month, they don't praise them the next versus the steady folks who are like showing up consistent. How do we praise them while continuing to coach them? Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it process is the separator. Um, I think Kobe Bryant talked about it in one of his later videos in life of like, he just loved the work. Yeah, He just loved the game and it wasn't just the championships. It was like getting up and mastering the craft. And the more we start to do that in different areas, the more success we're going to find. Yeah, for sure. I'm just thinking of like Nick Saban as you're you're talking about this, right? That's what's going through my head. And I've seen so many YouTube videos of him giving speeches and whatnot about about that. But um, now I would imagine this doesn't happen that often. You know, I'm trying to think of an example and I'm, I'm not coming to mind with one of of somebody who, you know, you, they have a plan, they have a structure, they're doing the things daily or weekly, like they're going through the process, they're doing the things that they're supposed to do to drive the numbers or to drive the results, but they're just not seeing the results take shape, right? Like they feel like they're doing all the things they're supposed to do and they're just not getting the results. Have you run into that situation with, with anyone that you've had the opportunity to work with? Yeah, it happens to everybody. There's always seasons to where you feel like you're planting a field and rain is never going to come. Mm-hmm. If you know the story of how a bamboo tree uh, develops and grows, it's fascinating. So you, you plant the bamboo tree, you find great soil, you give it sunlight, you water it. The first year, nothing happens. Mm-hmm. Absolutely nothing. Second year, nothing happens. Third year, nothing happens. Fourth year, nothing happens. Fifth year. It starts to grow. And in a very short time, it can fly 60 to 80 feet up in the air. Now, it's not that the tree was doing nothing during those first four and a half years. It was actually growing deeper underground in a way that you didn't see because it had to build the roots and the foundation to stabilize and support itself when it shot sky high. And I look at a lot of our work as that. When you're stuck working the process, it can feel like that bamboo tree that what you're looking at above the water or above the soil is not growing at the rate that you want it to. However, none of us are guaranteed that outcome or that rate of success. What we are guaranteed is an opportunity to improve. So are we focused on, Hey, why haven't I gotten this? I'm quote doing everything right. Are we focused on, I haven't gotten this yet. What can I do today to improve or speed up that path? And that's where it goes back to being obsessed with the process of getting better, being obsessed with the process of getting, what am I doing today to get better? How am I showing up? One of the easiest things I love to do, and and I use, I use one app with my clients because it's kind of an accountability feature, but for myself, I just use an app called habits and I have mental, physical, relational, uh, spiritual, habits and I have daily, weekly and monthly habits in there. And what I do is I literally every day I'm checking the box or on my monthly ones, I'm making sure I'm checking the box. Some days I miss the box, but it is a visual reminder that I know if I, I know every, if I'm working out six times a week, if I'm making sure I'm drinking enough water, if I know I'm reading in the morning or I'm getting some time to meditate, I know if I'm writing 500 words, if I'm making outbound sales calls, I know if I take care of these things, the outcome will take care of itself. Mm-hmm. And Bill Walsh said it best, the, the famous 49ers football coach, he said, you win your championship trophies in practice. You only pick them up on game day. And for those of us in life, we're obsessed with game day and the Super Bowl and the outcome and the end performance, and we're failing to show up every day in practice. Mm-hmm. And so that's where we have to learn to shift that. <clears throat> What's in my control is what am I doing today to get better? And putting our emphasis and focus into those little bitty things and treating them like Lego blocks, a Lego block by itself, nothing fancy. Mm -hmm. Thousands and thousands of Legos, you can build something pretty epic. Same applies to your life. 
a single choice by itself may or may not do much. Thousands and thousands of choices that build on top of each other. That's how you create an epic life. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. I'm just gonna let that sit there for just a second. Because it's so true. And I think everybody that probably just heard you say that is thinking to themselves like, yeah, that's right. And then maybe thinking back to times when they were like, oh, gosh, why did I forget that? I think we all intuitively know that that is true. But that doesn't take away the fact that like, we want the results to happen so, so fast. Um, But like you said, champions, winners and competitors, like, they love practice, right? They, they thrive off of it. They look forward to it. And then that's ultimately what drives those, those trophies, those championships and awards. What's going on code listeners, Dr. Andrew fix here. And I want to tell you about our friends at element element makes a tasty electrolyte drink with everything that you need and nothing that you don't. That means the science backed electrolyte ratio of sodium, potassium, and magnesium, and none of the junk, no sugar, no coloring, no artificial ingredients, no gluten, no fillers, no BS. And that's why I use it. I've been taking Element for two years now, and I absolutely love the stuff, and I wouldn't want to exercise without it. For all of you code listeners and friends of Physio Room, Element's offered a special to you guys, and I want you to take advantage of it. Go ahead and visit drinkelement.com slash physioroom. That's drinklmnt.com slash physioroom to receive that special offer. You're going to get a free variety pack with any purchase that you place. And uh, I can't wait to hear what you guys think about it. Thanks so much. One question that I wanted to ask you is, you know, I feel like the world of social media, the world of like, I mean, I'm 32 years old. I feel like the world is so different now for the people that are growing up now than it was 22 years ago when I was in grade school, right? And I felt like, you know, generally speaking, like it was tougher than people were tougher than, than they are now. There's more emotions brought into the world and into media and everything. Now we have social media. And I think what social media and the internet and all that stuff, I think brings is it's another avenue for you to potentially compare yourself, right. To other people, you can see whatever they want to put on there. Right. And you may only see the positive things. You may see the shiny success you don't necessarily see all the groundwork and the foundation that got built into that. But um, what gets brought up a lot of times in in conversations is this com- uh, topic of like putting in the hard work, potentially sacrificing time, putting in a lot of effort to with the discipline, like to lead to the results. And then what gets layered on top is like, well, what about work-life balance? Like, how do I find balance in my life if I'm putting so much focus on the work and the effort? Like, I need I need more balance. So, how do you handle that kind of conversation and topic? I know that's like huge, but like, how do you sort of talk about this topic of work life balance and coupling that with, you know, if you want to be successful, there's probably no there's no way around unless you like win the lottery or something. There's like no way around like putting in the work and putting in the effort and shoot, even if you win the lottery, you might lose and blow all that anyways. Like not all those lottery winners make much out of that. So, yeah, well, I mean, the the thing I always push people on more than work-life balance is work-life integration Mm -hmm. because there's not really, you sleep for eight hours, you work for eight hours, you personal life for eight hours. Like nobody's living in that world. And I'm going to preface this with kind of two things. One work-life balance is only like 30 to 40 years old. Like in the history of mankind, it is such a new idea and concept mm-hmm. that like it was invented in the 70s and 80s. That's where this phrase started coming in of like separating work-life balance. And what I believe in more is work-life integration. It's doing work that fulfills you, that you enjoy. You're not going to enjoy every piece of it. I don't enjoy every piece of what I do, but I enjoy the work. Yeah. And when you understand that, it it kind of it's not something where you get the Sunday scaries and you're dreading Monday morning. Mm-hmm. It's I'm looking forward to because I either A, I get to work with really cool people. I may not love it, um, but I, I love the people I work with, which is a great opportunity. Mm-hmm. Or I get to do something that I'm good at and I get to use talents to impact and help others. And so 
I really push this life of of integration because me as a business owner, like I don't I don't work the traditional nine to five. I sometimes I'm gonna work late nights, sometimes I work weekends. I have odd hours. I had really odd hours when I started the business. Yeah, I bet. And so I look for ways to integrate the work I do with the life I want. And so next month is a perfect example. I've got a keynote in Orlando, Florida. Uh, my wife's coming along. She's going to fly out with me. We're going to have a weekend, spend some time in Florida together. That's integrating my work and my life together. The other piece of it that I think is really important is for people to understand their seasons. There are seasons of life. There are seasons, fall, summer, spring, winter, but there's also seasons of life. And there's seasons you got to grind. And if you're building something or you're chasing a big goal, there's seasons you have to make sacrifices for that. But what you have to understand is it's a season and seasons end and they mm -hmm. change. So it's not, hey, yeah. I'm making a permanent sacrifice. So if you're training for an Ironman, you're going to have to sacrifice some of your social life to train for an Ironman, considering how much volume of training goes into doing an Ironman. Yeah. You probably can't sacrifice work time. Because if you're going to a corporate job, like you're still expected to be there. So you're going to have to sacrifice social time and you're going to do it for six months or a year to train for an Ironman. If you're starting a business, you're going to sacrifice personal time. You're going to sacrifice some finance. You're going to sacrifice sleep a lot of times to get it up and going. Yeah. But you're not going to do that forever because the goal is to build it and then systemize it and hire people and develop something. So it's okay to have seasons of it. And I think there's a lot of people in a younger generation. And, and I say this from working with organizations and people in that Gen Z, where they always want this perfect work-life balance. They want the perfect schedule, the perfect day. And that's such a new concept that I don't think from a maturity level, a lot of them understand that a lot of the people talking about the perfect schedule and the perfect day grinded to build something to be able to create that. That your very first job coming out of school is going to be a grind and you're not going to be paid like a, a director or a C-level. And it's going to take some long hours and maybe some nights. But the goal is, is that a season? Do you do it for a year or two years and then position yourself in a better spot? Or do you think, well, I don't have any work-life balance here out of the gate, so I'm just going to quit. And so I, I, there's, a, there's a tension in that. And so I, I just tell people like, it's more important to find work-life integration, doing work that you're skilled at and that you enjoy because you'll find more purpose and happiness in that alongside working with really good people than saying, I have to have the perfect eight hours of sleep, eight hours of work, eight hours of personal life, because I don't think anybody's doing that. I'm not doing that. I don't, I don't know anybody personally that's doing that. Um, yeah. But I know a lot of people that are really passionate about what they're doing they work a ton, but they don't feel like they lack purpose or balance in their life, right? They're putting in a ton of time, but they're so invested in what they're doing. They don't feel like they're just like trading away their time for you know a job that they're miserable at. Um, and those aren't usually the people that I see stressing out about work-life balance because I think they probably have found some, some version of what you called it, integration. I like that term. Because, you know, I think if you're really passionate about what you're doing and you find ways to incorporate that into your life, then you feel good. Like, I think that's kind of what I've found here at our practice. Like a lot of my uh, friends that we hang out with here, they might be clients of ours or we might be training for the same race or, you know, we're going to a we're working a race and that's a business development opportunity for us. But oh, by the way, oh, maybe I'll hop in and I'll run the, the 10K while I'm here. And then work the table afterwards. So it's like, oh, I get a little bit of what I want. I want to do it. And then I do the work um, while I'm there. So it's like ways to kind of like mold and blend those things together. I think it's kind of yeah. what you're getting at. They're not necessarily no. two separate entities. Two, and, and it doesn't have to be those two separate entities. It's about really finding a way to make it work together. And I think mm -hmm. that's the most important. And so like if you're someone who's like, man, I want to live a healthier lifestyle, but man, I work so much. Well, who are you hanging out with? Do you hang mm -hmm. out with people at a gym? Do you go to a gym? Because hanging out with those people means your social life becomes part of that fitness piece. So you can tie those two together instead of I've got to do all of these things separately. So I think those are some important pieces to kind of think through of how can I integrate this lifestyle better?
Yeah, for sure. And yeah, I know you went into that in the book about having that that accountability group and that group exercise mentality. And I'm I'm right there with you. I like the idea that you brought up about, you know, there are going to be seasons that you probably do have to grind quite a bit, right? Because if you don't, you're never really going to develop that root system, that foundation that will ultimately lead to that opportunity that sparks. And then you, you have your growth potential or you, you have your lucky break or whatever that might be. Um, and I remember a part in the book where you talked about like somebody running and if they know the distance that they're expected to run, they will probably run that a little bit harder because they know where the end point is compared to if you just tell someone, I just want you to go run. I'll tell you when to stop. They don't know where the end is, right? They don't know yep. if the end is even in sight. They don't know how long. So they'll probably hold back a little bit and not maybe give their full effort because they don't know what their full effort is you know, being compared to or being judged on. And yep. I think that's kind of what the idea of like this season piece gives. Like a season is finite, right? Like you can sort of see the end in sight or like for this 90 day period of time, I'm going to work really hard at these systems and at these things. And then my priorities might shift a little bit. Like, you know, there's an end in sight. I mean, it's all of us. Like it's when you're playing the infinite game of like, I don't know, I'm just chasing success. Mm -hmm. It's being in the moment of the day and making the most of it. But when you're, you're asking others specifically to say, Hey, I need you to work this hard. I need you to work hard and I need you to do this. And you're not being like, Hey, this is the sprint we're going to run. Hey, we're going to crush it this quarter and it's going to be longer hours, but here's what we have planned on the end of it. Like you're giving them that finite portion to say, Oh, I can get through this. Like no matter how tired or hurt you are in a sports game, you know, the end is there. Like, you know, I can give all I got for this hour. And then after that hour, I'm going to recover. And I think that's where the big one comes into of like focusing on the end all piece of it, of in certain instances, set a deadline, chase that deadline, understand kind of like the seasons of life as we talked about. And then in other areas, it's how am I just in the day from a purpose, from a mission, from the work I'm trying to do every day, getting better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think it is so, so totally true. And, um, you know, I connect really well with the, you know, the concept of using the analogy of like sports and competition a lot. I am assuming that you have run into situations or run into people who maybe will tell you, Jake, I don't play sports. I don't like sports. I, you know, I don't like getting sweaty. And maybe they don't connect as well with with the analogy of of something that has to do with a game or or practice. What do you uh, what do you usually find yourself doing in those situations? If you run into somebody that like that's just not I don't know that's not what fuels their passion. Yeah, I mean, for most people that tell you they don't like sports, they don't like competition, is that it's the comparison game. Mm-hmm. It's simply put, it's it's kind of living in that world of it's always I've got to beat you, I've got to defeat you versus what am I doing today to get better? Mm-hmm. And so those I separate out because that's a conversation in reframing your definition and idea of competition. Because yeah. truly, if we look at competition, it's really all about the idea of striving to reach your full potential, striving to gain or win something or in the context of this striving to gain or reach your full potential. If I get somebody who's like, well, I don't have any desire for getting better. Like there's no interest in that for me. Then we're just not a fit. Like that is okay. And every business owner understands that of like, you have your people. um, And then you have people that are not your people and that's okay. Uh, Mike Kim, who's a uh, famous marketing guy, wrote a phenomenal book called You Are the Brand, laughs that great marketing should repel. Like good marketing should attract, but great marketing should repel because it should very clearly define these are my people or these are not my people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's true. And I think, you know, the more, the more that you establish your niche and your brand and your whatnot, that's exactly what happens, right? Like you, you repel or you, the people who just are totally not on board, they, they don't, uh, they're not interested. So the people who want to come right and i think i kind of think back to that um 
you know, Simon Sinek, right? Like, yeah. Why? Why? Like people who connect with your why are the ones that are, they're going to come and you're going to repel the ones that, that don't. That's right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's a hundred percent. Okay. And a lot of people are like, I don't want to repel certain folks, but it's really not a bad thing too, because all it is, is you're getting more clear on who you're trying to help mm-hmm. and who's a right fit for you versus yeah. trying to serve and help people that aren't. Yeah, you can't. Yeah. And I think, you know, there's this concept of like having this huge abundance mentality, which goes back to like having other people that are competitors to you, other businesses that are similar and that hopefully brings up everybody's level. But, but yeah, you, you can't necessarily help everybody um, unless, you know, it's very hard to be like a jack of all trades, right? It would be better off if we had experts in certain things and we let other people be experts in other things. And we all have our, our niche, it's, um, you know, it's hard to be like the solution for every single person's problem all at the same time. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. And don't try to be. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think that's when, um, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to just truly grow something and establish something and, and scale it. Cause you're just, you're too caught in the weeds doing a bunch of different things. Yeah, no, you easily are. And that's where you get yourself into trouble on that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, let me ask you this, Jake, as we like slowly start the process of like wrapping this episode up, I think one thing that, and I think you sort of started to say this, right? Like you obviously didn't say that growing this brand and this business was uh, was easy by any means. Uh, it sounds like you put in a lot of groundwork and then more recently in the last year, a couple of years is when it's, it's really started to flourish a bit more. But I think one thing that um, people like to to hear is maybe, you know, even within yourself, what were some of the things that you you feel like you struggled with the most? And and how did you maybe like come out of this? Like I think, and kind of what I'm getting at is I think a lot of times people have, whether it's imposter syndrome or, you know, they just feel like I I'm struggling with this part. I can't, I can't get past it. What are some things that you struggled with along the process? I mean, part of it was I struggled trying to blueprint and do something just like somebody else instead of playing off our strengths. Um, Mm -hmm. That was that was a very big one for us. Um, I think other challenges. I mean, at the time, it was not knowing um, and and getting and and exploring everywhere. I think early on in a pursuit, you should always say you should say yes a lot. I think Tim Ferriss talked about this. You say yes a lot because you got to figure out what do I do well, what do we want to do, how do we want to stand out. But very quickly, you have to get to a point where you say no all the time. And I don't think I said no all the time as much because I was saying yes to other opportunities of like, how do we continue to grow? Would this accelerate it? Versus like, no, this is what we do really well. We just need to get better at it. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think those are a couple of areas I struggled. And then two, it, you know, it took me a couple of years really to get where I was hiring coaches. And Early on, it was tough because I'm just kind of grinding out the business and we're not making a ton. Whereas like I should have been earmarking and putting aside more money for a coach just because that would have accelerated. And when I did start working with coaches, it dramatically accelerated my success curve because I was learning and and shortcutting from their knowledge and able to ask and, and get advice and things like that. So I think those would be the three I would go back to. Yeah. Yeah. And it basically sounds like you said, you know, be yourself right? Like don't try to yeah. take the blueprint from other people, like be, be authentic, be yourself. And, um, and then have the opportunity to say no more because ultimately yep. when you say yes to one thing, you're saying no to something else, right? And yeah. if you say yes to everything, you're saying no to a lot of other things, but maybe what are you choosing to say yes and say no to? And, um, yeah, I think that concept of having a, having a coach or a mentor or whatever, um, yeah, it's an investment, but I think it's it's probably something that a lot of either business owners or or even honestly just people, like you said, you're maybe training for a <clears throat> triathlon and you're trying to just look online and do it all yourself. Right? Could work yeah. for some. There's a good chance you have much more success if you hire a coach. Yeah, um, it makes it a lot harder. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think that that is the the way to uh, streamline or accelerate your, your success curve. Like you said, yeah, that's, I think that's a big deal. And I think, again, that goes back to sports, obviously like teams have coaches and 
it's no surprise that usually the teams that are doing better, those are usually the coaches that we hold in a much higher regard, right? Bill Belichick, yep. Nick Saban, whatever, um, are, are great coaches. So, and they have great teams. Absolutely. Yeah, this was, this was awesome. Um, Jacob asked this question to, to a couple other people on the show. My, my plan was to ask this to like pretty much every person, but it, the conversations just didn't always go that way. So of course we've got this show called the code, a guide to health and human performance. And before we wrap things up, um, you know, kind of summarizing, you know, what you've said from like a business aspect to lifestyle fitness, if you had to like boil it all down to like, what is your code to health and human performance? And you had to summarize into like, if you could do one thing, this is what, what you would do. What would you tell somebody to do? Man, uh, the biggest thing I would tell somebody that's the code for health is every day be curious and actionable. So be curious mm-hmm. enough to ask the question, what can I do better than I did yesterday? And mm-hmm. actionable, meaning not just asking the question, but answering it with action uh, so that you're continually improving on a daily basis. Yeah. What can I do? Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Well, again, thank you so much for your time carving that out today to hop on this episode. Thank you guys so much to everybody that tuned in to listen to this show on the code with Jake Thompson. And hopefully you found something that you can implement in your life today based off of the conversation that we had. What I would recommend to you is please be sure to check out the show notes, go check out Jake's book, Jake's podcast, check out his website. We'll link all those things there for you and see if you maybe want to buy some swag or listen to the book or, or some of the shows that he has and continue to go down this concept of competing every day to get the most out of what you're doing in life and fitness and work. And, um, and again, I've said this a couple of times, but um, if you enjoyed something that we talked about today, it would be awesome if you went and told the world about that, hop on whatever podcast platform you found this on, go leave us a review, throw five stars on there and share what you liked or share some ideas that you have of things that you would love to hear about. And we'll make sure we get an episode out on those things. Again, this has been The Code. I'm Dr. Andrew Fix with Physio Room. Jakes, thanks so much for joining me today. Appreciate it. Enjoy the conversation. Awesome. Thanks, guys. See you later.